you are now about to experience the revive effect i'm your host matt celestio and if you want to learn to master your mind get the body you want and create the life you've always wanted to live you are in the right place at revive my mission is to create a better way of living for our generation by challenging the current ways we live every day and in each episode i bring you a radically different approach to fat loss a fresh perspective on life, and a new way of living to help you get to where you truly want to be in life. So kick back and let's jump into it. Welcome to The Revive Effect. All right, welcome back to the third episode of The Revive Effect. So to jump in today, I want to ask a question to start out. Do you follow diets? And today we're going to talk about diets because they do not work long term. If you look at meta-analysis, so many reviews, there is so many answers telling you that diets don't work for people long term. Even on our website, the first thing we say in our Start Here page is 9 out of 10 people who go on diets, they end up falling off and they end up gaining more weight back than when they actually started the diet. And I get why you think dieting is the way to go, right? Everybody and their mother, low carb this, keto this, paleo this. It's so normalized in our culture. And on top of this, everybody's talking about calories in, calories out. Everybody's talking about these calories. It's on nutrition labels. It's in restaurants. Why is everybody so focused on these things? And it's the culture that we've created. So I understand why you think following every health blog and every top fitness page who gives you the fastest way to get in shape. I get why you think you need to follow that. It's so normalized. Now, Today, my intention is to take you from feeling stuck and you know, lost in this abyss of information. You know, you feel helpless not knowing what to do. And if you're somebody who's overweight, I'm going to take you and launch you into, in towards somebody who understands how their body works. So you know how food is going to affect you and certain foods and how they're going to play out in your body's fat burning ability. I'm going to let you know the most common mistakes that contribute to your weight gain and even kind of screw you up in the beginning stages of your fat loss journey. Then next, I'm going to let you in on one little secret and how one organ inside your body can either make or break your success when losing your fat. Yes, one organ. We call it the forgotten organ. And today, that's what the whole topic is about. So before we jump in, if you think dieting is the holy grail of fat loss, if you think it's the top dog, this is the thing you should be doing, let me ask you this. Is everyone that you know who went on a diet slim, right? Is, how come we don't go on one diet, the whole world just goes on one diet and we end the obesity epidemic? Why is it not that simple? And what are the people who don't go on diets but who are slim, what are they doing to stay slim? Why are they slim and you're not? You know, what are they doing that maybe you don't know about or never even heard of? And how come, listen to this one, and if, you've go, if you're someone who's gone on a lot of diets, you're going to feel this one hits home for you. How come you can go on the same diet as your friend? You guys follow the exact same instructions that you were told to follow. You count the exact amount of calories you needed to count. You stayed on plan. You didn't deviate. You didn't have any bad choices. How come when weigh-in comes in, your friend actually lost weight, but you stayed the same? Even worse, what if you gained weight? You know, why is that happening to you? You know, is Mercury in retrograde? Is somebody playing a cruel joke? Why is your weight stagnant and why is it stubborn while somebody else can effortlessly just fly the pounds right off? 
And the answer to that, ladies and gentlemen, one big contributing factor is your gut bacteria. Yes, your gut and the intestines. Like everybody's talking about, yo, we got to get this gut health, take a little probiotic, optimize your gut. But has everybody like ever told you what your gut is and why you should pay such importance, attention to it? You know, everybody's just talking about it. But my intention today is to show you how much of a profound impact it has on you, especially in terms of your body's fat burning ability. Yes, that's right. Your gut, your intestines determine how much calories you could be absorbing or, you know, just passing right on through and they don't even affect you as much as it would for somebody else. So to jump in just really quickly in the intro, I want to reference a study published in the International Journal of Obesity. All right. Now, what we what we need to preface with first is that your gut is home to so many different types of bacteria. Yes, through all the hand washing, through all the food sanitation, it's home to a lot of different types of bacteria, which we're going to jump into later into the podcast and it's going to blow your mind. But what the study did was they took two groups of germ free mice, meaning that their their guts had no germs in it, no bacteria. So it's a nice, fresh area for colonization of new bacteria. So what they did was they took one group and they took bacteria from the gut of an obese mice and injected it into that group. All right. And the second group, they took bacteria from lean mice and put it into that group. So they fed them the exact same diets, the exact same amount of calories. Now, remember, the only thing that's different is the bacteria in the gut. Now, the mice that were injected with the obese bacteria, they gained twice as much weight compared to their leaner counterparts. And this is absolutely mind-blowing because their gut bacteria influenced them whether they wanted to or not. So if you're blown away already, this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of how much your gut influences your body's fat-burning ability. So my intention today is to go over these awesome three topics that we're going to dive into right now. So number one, what is your gut microbiome and just how much control it has over your body's fat burning ability? Now, as you just seen, that's just the tip of the iceberg, that study that we just talked about. So much more good stuff coming up. And number two, how your inflammation could be messing up your gut and how it influences your body's fat burning ability and even motivation. Yes, inflammation in your abdominal area, in your gut. How can this be affecting even your mood? Crazy, crazy stuff coming up. And lastly, which is debatably one of the coolest topics of this podcast, can eating more food actually increase your lifespan and keep you leaner? Yes, if you're wondering, I did say more food. Eating more food can actually increase your lifespan and keep you leaner. So, so many good conversations coming up. So stick around and let's jump right into it. All right, so what is your gut microbiome and just how much control does it have over your body's fat burning ability? Yes, the simple organ down below. How is it affecting your fat? It's mind blowing. So what we're going to start off with today is, you know, what the heck is this microbiome, right? You might have had questions. Everybody's talking about it, but you're going to get a final concrete answer that gives you some clarity as to why you need to focus on this and why it can upgrade your health and body in ways that you've never seen before. So nobody, know, nobody tells you why it's important, why gut health is important. They're just saying, hey, buy my probiotic, you should be gold. But you're going to find out today how much influence it has, not just on your fat, but your whole body. So first of all, what is your microbiome? 
And to answer that very simply, it's your gastrointestinal tract, your intestines, that gut feeling that you got down below. It is, your, it is a, uh, a makeup of your small and large intestines. So now just to give you a little example about how diverse and how, how crazy this little thing is, we know that our genetics, there are 22,000 genetics that make us up. And we kind of all share the same 22,000, more or less. Now your gut, your gut has 3.3 million different genes. All right, to put that into perspective, 22,000 genes that we all share, but our guts have 3.3 million different genes, not just the same redundant genes, they're non-redundant, meaning they're different. And on top of that, after all the hand washing, all the food sanitation and safety that we take day in and day out, your gut is home to trillions of cells of different bacteria. Now, I know it's a little gross, it might sound a little gross, but what you need to understand is that this, what makes us, this is what makes us so unique. And this is what helps us, you know, kind of do our bodily processes and go through the digestion, right? This is, these are the things that make up your colon. And, you know, we usually just eat food, wait a couple hours, our body handles the fine print, and we just make our way to the bathroom. But in the middle of all that, that little middle process where that digestion is happening, that's your gut bacteria doing that work for you, giving you that nutrients and the calories you need to fuel your day. So again, a little gross, but again, this is such a dichotomous relationship, a synergistic relationship that you have with what, what I call your gut buddies. All right, so in terms of genes, all right, let's move on. In terms of genes, we are 99.9% similar. This is a study published in the National Institute of Health. More of a review, sorry. 99.9% similar in terms of genetic makeup. Okay, that's how we all are as humans. But in terms of microbiome, the paper stated that we are up to 80 to 90% different. Different. So that means almost nobody in the world has your unique microbiome makeup. And how does this happen? How are we so different in, in terms of microbiome makeup, but so similar in terms of genetics? And that's because your gut, like the study published or that we talked about in the beginning in the intro with the germ-free mice, and they had no bacteria down there. When you're born you have a fresh slate, a nice clean microbiome, and your gut provides a new space for colonization for new bacteria every single minute that you are alive, right? It's the first place anything that enters your body goes, right? It doesn't go to your leg. It doesn't go to your finger. No, it goes to your gut. And we've all had different experiences. We've all lived in different communities. We've all interacted with so many different people. And this is what makes us so unique. And that's why we have so many different species of bacteria, so many different makeups down there. So if your mom or dad ever told you you're special, they weren't lying. They were not lying. But no, in all seriousness, the biggest way that you can affect the diversity or the different makeup of your microbiome is through food, right? This, a study referenced in the National Institute of Health they show that dietary changes in mice show changes in microbiome makeup and diversity in just as little as one day. Just as little as one day. And this is kind of empowering because, you know, we're always looking towards big pharma or big corporations to help us, you know, upgrade our health. And as you'll see, depending on the type of bacteria you have in your gut, it can significantly influence your health in a good or negative way. So the fact that you're able to take that into your own hands and Feed your body and feed your gut the good food that it needs to give it that great diversity and that great support 
You know, you have the power of your own health, which is absolutely amazing. So I want to reference a study that we talked about right in the beginning of the intro with the mice that were injected with lean bacteria. Remember this one? And they were injected with either obese bacteria from mice. And they gained twice as much more weight if they had the bad bacteria or the obese bacteria. So how does this happen? And could this be happening to you right now and you don't even know about it? And the answer is yes, it could be. So what you need to understand about your gut bacteria is, of course, we have so many different types of species down there, all classified in certain kind of phyla. Again, I won't get too sciencey, but what you need to understand is that there are good guys down there and bad guys down there. Picture it like you have two teams and, you know, it's kind of like the Wild West. There's not enough room for the both of them. So they're always going back and forth depending on what you feed your gut buddies to overpopulate each other. So to give you an example, if you have more bad bacteria down in your colon, you're considered to be more obese. And you can, you, scientists are able to look at reports of your gut bacteria. And if you have more opportunistic or more quote unquote bad guys, they can tell if you are overbeast without even seeing you in person. They can just look at the makeup of your gut and they say, oh, okay, he's got way more bad guys. This person is obese. But it also goes on the flip side. If you are somebody who has more lean bacteria or, coordinate or correlated with a more lean figure, scientists can look at the gut, the gut report of your microbiome and say, yep, this person's lean. Again, without even seeing you in person. And how this really happens is, and especially in terms of weight gain, is your body is more efficient at absorbing calories if you have more bad guys down there. Right? And that's why you and your friend could be on the same kind of diet. And if you have more bad guys and they have more good guys, they'll lose weight and you will gain it or even stay the same if you eat the same amount of food. And you, we're always working. If, the, if you're looking to lose weight, you should always be looking to optimize the good guys of the bacteria down in your microbiome. Right? The better ratio is correlated with less weight gain. And if you're somebody who doesn't really know about these different kind of good guys and bad guys and how certain kind of foods affect it, you know, you might be what we call a fat loss straggler. Somebody that doesn't know how to optimize their gut bacteria. And they're just eating whatever foods, you know, certain diets say, you know, don't eat this, don't eat that. And they're blindly following these tactics, right? Us Revive Fat Loss Insiders are students who have taken the Revive Effect. They know how to upgrade their microbiomes. They know what foods to avoid so that way they don't, you know, get that population of bad bacteria up. They know how to eat foods that support the diversity of good bacteria so that that way they can eat and enjoy a more variety of foods and still end up losing weight or still end up keeping a lean figure. So just keep that in mind. Now, here's where it gets really crazy with your microbiome. So your gut, now get this, there are so many studies showing that your brain and your gut talk to each other. That's right, they talk. If your body or if your brain had a best friend in the body, it would be the gut. And if your gut had a best friend in the body, it would be the brain. And they go back and forth all day long. They text like best friends, sending information back and forth to let people know in the body, you know, how should we, how should we regulate our bodily processes? And the way they do this is because they're connected in, in your body through this thing called a vagus nerve. Now, don't get too, too intimidated by that sciencey terminology. Just picture it like a telephone wire that connects your gut's phone and your brain's phone together. And this is how they connect and they talk and they, 
They send messages and it's so absolutely mind-blowingly cool. Oh my goodness. Anyways, I digress. But to know that your body has, or your brain and your gut are in constant communication, it really sets the precedent for knowing how certain foods are going to affect your body, especially when we're going to cover some topics coming up. But what you need to know about your gut is that like your brain, it has neurons in it, right? And these are information messengers like in your brain. And your gut has 500 million neurons within it. And that was enough to get it classified as your second brain, right? That's what your gut is classified as, the second brain. Just because of how much control it has over your bodily function, because it communicates with your brain, and because it sends messages to control certain things in your body. So to give you an example about just how powerful your gut is, you, the, the feel-good hormone serotonin. All right, let's, let's talk about that for a second. You know that, oh man, it's a sunny day outside. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling happy. You got serotonin pumping through your body. And 95% of the serotonin in your body is made, guess where? In your gut. In your gut. That's absolutely crazy. So not only that, you have more melatonin in your gut, that nice sleep chemical, that sleep hormone that keeps you asleep throughout the night, makes you sleepy. You have 400 times more of that in your gut. Now, how about that? Everybody's taking these, these pills or you know, trying all these different remedies to get to bed earlier, improve their mood. But meanwhile, if you're eating foods that kind of you know, don't support the bacteria that make that serotonin, that make that melatonin, you know, you could kind of be shooting yourself in the foot or missing a whole piece of the puzzle that, you know, food can give you that good sleep or that nice improve in your, or that improvement in your mood. That's a whole nother topic for another episode, but just to show you how much impact your gut has on your mood and motivation. Now, here's where your gut affects your weight and even your eating habits. Yes, your habits. Oh my goodness. So let me introduce you to a topic called, I'll give you the sciencey term. It's called post-ingestive feedback. Now, don't worry, don't get intimidated. All that means is anytime that you eat a new food, your gut gets that information because that's the first place food goes, and it takes account of all the nutrients and information and even the taste that it got. It then sends a text to your brain through that nerve, right, that telephone wire that we talked about. It goes all the way up into your brain. Your brain receives that information and goes, all right, I got the information. Let me make a link in my brain for next time. So to give you an example, think about the first time you ever ate an orange, right? Your body sends that text right down to your, or your gut takes a nice count of everything that it got. It says, okay, we got some oranges down here. It gave us some nice vitamin C. So let me send that text to the brain to make sure that we got that for next time. So it sends a text to the brain. The brain then says, okay, we had an orange. I got vitamin C. I create a link, and now the next time that I need vitamin C, we're very deficient in vitamin C, my brain will make us seek out the flavor of the orange so that way we can obtain that nutrient, right? So you know that as something called cravings, right? Like, oh my goodness, man, I'm just craving that. I'm craving oranges or I'm craving, I'm craving some chips. It's because your body's nutrient deficient in something and it's making you go seek out food so that way it can obtain the nutrient. It's pretty mind-blowing stuff, right? This is absolutely crazy. So here's the thing. When your gut and brain are communicating, especially in terms of the nutrients it's got on hand and especially in terms of the energy it has on hand, right? Calorie equals energy. 
if you're low on calories in your body, you haven't eaten in a while, or even if you've been starving yourself for a long, long time trying to lose weight, your body can actually rev up your metabolism or bring it down to a full stop depending on what it has down below. So essentially what that means is it can turn your body's fat burning ability up or it can turn it right off dependent on what you've fed your body or even if you've just kind of skipped over certain kinds of meals. Now we're going to go over in the next section how this switch can get interrupted and leaving you in fat storing mode and how it can make it so much harder for you to actually shed pounds even though that you are doing everything right you're not eating as many foods as you know you maybe you usually have you're doing everything your diet says we're going to go over in the next section just how much impact you are having on your microbiome right now All right, one of the biggest things that mess up your body's fat burning ability and even your whole mood and your gut microbiome, it's inflammation, right? This is the hallmark of obesity, especially even if you're just carrying around a little excess weight around your abdominal area, right? But if you've been obese for a little bit or even overweight for a little bit and you felt that puffy feeling in your neck, in your, in your abdominal area, you might have painted inflammation as, you know, the bad guy and I understand why, right? It never goes away. It's a constant burning, puffy feeling that you want to just leave. It doesn't look nice. But what you need to understand is that your body's natural defense system towards anything foreign, whether it's a virus or any, literally anything that's just foreign, your body's natural defense system is inflammation, right? Your body detects something that's, you know, not you. And they send down that inflammation to go and kill that and get that out of your body because Anything foreign, you know, that's probably not good to have in your body. Now, the only thing with inflammation is it's not a problem unless it stays all the time. You know, there's acute inflammation and she's like, you know, just getting a little sprain on the ankle. Your ankle swells up a little bit. Your body takes care of what it needs to do. And in a couple days, like it goes away. However, with obesity, or if you have a little excess weight carrying around, and especially if you're eating a lot of inflammatory foods, inflammation is going to stay and that's where it gets to be a problem. So how does this relate to your gut and why is it so impactful on your gut microbiome? And it's because, remember we talked about right in the beginning of the first part of this video, if you're watching this on Revive TV, but in the first part of this podcast, we said, this is, your gut is the first place food goes when it enters your body, right? It doesn't go to your leg, it doesn't go to your fingers, it goes to your gut. So it only makes sense that your gut has the green light to trigger inflammation to say, whoa, we got some foreign stuff up in here. We need to get this out. So if you're feeling really bloated or puffy when you eat the foods that you know are not the best for you, you know, those chips, the fast food, or even some oils, like if you're eating food that goes, oh my God, you know, that just really didn't agree with me. And you can feel that you're bloated. Your pants are so tight. You got to undo that belt buckle. That's inflammation. And your body's saying, well, we either stop eating this food for future reference, or we need to get this invader out of us right now. So now think about how if you're continually ignoring that sign and you're continually eating that inflammatory food or the food that your body doesn't agree with, of course, inflammation is going to be constant. Of course, it's going to stay because it's always coming in. Your body never gives it a chance to say, all right, we cleared house. It's always got something new to deal with. 
So now how inflammation affects you and especially your gut microbiome is it disrupts that gut-brain connection that we talked about. Remember how your brain and gut are always talking like they're best friends, they're sending texts back and forth, and they're connected with that telephone wire that we spoke about. Your inflammation is a big factor and comes in like the storm that just kind of makes those messages don't send, it's, it screws up the telephone pole, and your brain and gut can't communicate seamlessly like they usually do. Now, what does this mean for you? Now, remember how we talked about that post-ingestive feedback? How when you ate the orange, your brain knew, okay, I got vitamin C when I ate oranges. Your gut and brain are constantly talking about the nutrients and energy that it has on hand at the moment. Now, again, your gut can control to speed up your metabolism or slow it down. And it will speed up the metabolism if it's got a lot of calories, a lot of energy on hand. Because it needs to digest that food. It needs to get that energy where it needs to go. But if it doesn't have that much food, you know, it might slow it down a little bit. Let's be more conservative with the way we burn our calories, right? Your body uses those calories for energy. They're not just going to throw them away. Energy means life. So you can move, so you can walk, so you can talk. Now, here's the thing. With inflammation acting as the storm that screws up that communication, your brain never knows or your gut will never know or be able to send, you know, we got enough calories down here. You know, we can kind of slow it down. But it... The brain never gets that text or the brain either maybe interprets it in the wrong way. So you could be revving up your metabolism when you don't need to and even slowing it down when you don't need to. So if you ate just a really, really big inflammatory meal and you're, you know, your brain can't or your gut can't send the text to your brain saying, all right, let's rev it up, baby. We got lots of calories on hand. Your brain might, you know, not get the hormones that it needs to say, all right, let's start revving up the metabolism. And you could just be eating this huge meal with a very slow metabolism and they use calories more conservatively. And they don't burn your body fat as much as they would if they had gotten the message seamlessly beforehand. Does that make sense? And here's another thing about this inflammation within the gut. You'd be surprised that just how much the inflammatory cells that are happening in your gut can leak out and travel up that telephone wire that we spoke about and actually go into your brain. And this is what we call neuroinflammation. But you may commonly know it as that brain fog. You can't really think that clear. Your head kind of feels fuzzy. It's because you might have been eating a lot of inflammatory foods or inflammation has really been constant in your body. And it makes its way up there into your brain. And that's you do not want inflammation in there. I will tell you that right from the get-go. Because that's the precursor to so many neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Now, just a side note, a journal from, uh, where is this? The Journal of Neurology. They tested the effects of dark leafy vegetables on brain power and aging. And this was really cool. Their results stated that the consumption of green leafy vegetables was positively associated and significantly associated with slower cognitive decline. Now, they also went on to state that the rate of cognitive decline among those who consumed the most to those who consumed the least was equivalent to being 11 years younger cognitively. So now basically what that means in plain English is those who ate dark leafy green vegetables, they had brains that looked 11 years younger compared to their friends or their counterparts that didn't have those dark leafy greens. So just goes to show you, you're eating dark green vegetables. That's ending up in the gut, but yet again, it's affecting your brain. So just to show you a little common link there, 
what you eat significantly could affect not only just your body, but your bodily functions and even your brain. Now, what we talked about before, remember how we talked about the, the hormone production in your gut, right? The serotonin, the melatonin in your gut. If you're eating foods that, you know, keep that inflammation constant, what that does is it screws up your gut bacteria who make that serotonin, right? That nice feel good, you know, I'm, I'm feeling great today. That's coming from your gut. But if you're eating foods that, you know, kind of stop that production, you don't get the same amount of uh, or the same effect of serotonin. You don't get the same metabolism of serotonin because your gut is kind of inflamed and it's screwing up all these messages. Now, just to go show you how much this can affect your sleep, serotonin, you need serotonin to make that sleep good medication, that sleep good hormone melatonin. So already, if you're screwing up the production of serotonin, you're not getting that nice melatonin because your body is unable to either produce that serotonin as well as it usually does, or it just kind of screws up the messages and unable to make and perform their bodily functions as necessary. So again, it doesn't just go to, you know, sleeping pills or all this, all this stuff that you're doing to make sure that you can sleep better, you know, blue light, blackout curtains. What you eat could significantly impact your sleep, as you just heard right there. So I want to reference a paper now published in the National Institute of Health. And it showed that inflammatory cells, like we talked about before, cross your gut barrier, right? That little lining of your gut that you kind of want to keep everything nice and cozy inside. They actually showed that inflammatory cells can cross that barrier and then go into your brain. Now, you, when you have gut bacteria down there, you want them like the neighbors that, you know, they live across the street. You always say hi, but you'd never go over and actually talk. That's the relationship you want with your gut. You want everything in your gut to stay there and you want everything outside your gut to stay as it is and not be affected by that. So, when inflammation leaves your gut and when it goes into your brain and when it goes out to other parts of your body, that's when it starts to alter your behavior, right? That we just talked about how your serotonin is produced down there. It also affects the metabolism of serotonin in your brain. And what this does is it, it damages the function of serotonin and dopamine. And there's papers and researchers that show that this links to depression and anxiety. You know, inflammation is linked with depression and anxiety, Right, you know, you're doing meditations again, which is great. You're doing breathing exercises, which is great. However, if you're not nipping the problem right at the source, which could be food, you're gonna endlessly be trapped under this anxious, stressed out state because you're eating the foods that promote the inflammation that go into your brain. Now, this is really, really crazy stuff because this is what's gonna start to affect your motivation, your mood, your overall well being in life. Right? Your serotonin, your feel-good hormone, dopamine, feel-good hormone. If you have inflammation in your brain kind of screwing up that connection, screwing up those, those feel-good hormones, what does, it, what does this mean for your goals? What does this mean for your work, for your relationships? And how does it affect your sleep? Right? You, how, how do you expect to go after your goal, get the body you want, get to the gym, write down your affirmations? How do you expect to do that when you're feeling so foggy in the head, feeling so low, anxious, a little bit sad overall, how do you expect to attain that goal, right? It stems from the food you eat. It stems from your gut because your gut is controlling all these things and they have such a profound impact on that. So you really have to make sure that you are taking every step possible, eating the best foods possible to upgrade your gut, 
to make sure that the hormones are pumping beautifully. So you get that serotonin, nice feel-good hormone every single day. Get that nice melatonin, feel-good sleep. Not only that, it's just so that your brain doesn't have to deal with that inflammation. It doesn't age as fast as if somebody who did have all that inflammation within the brain. So now I've talked a lot about how, you know, inflammation is really screwing this up, but, you know, how do you get inflammation down? That's a really big topic right now. If, if, if you're struggling and doing all these things, how do you get out of this negative cycle? How do you get out of this horrible feeling that inflammation brings you? And this, the biggest thing, ladies and gentlemen, is food. I'm always a food first kind of guy. I would recommend to my clients food first. So to give you the easiest example, if you're eating foods that promote inflammation, that means you're eating pro-inflammatory foods. Counter that with anti-inflammatory foods. It's such a simple step, yet so many people never make that leap, never make that jump. So what I want to give you is my top three foods or top three anti-inflammatory things that I always recommend for getting rid of that inflammation. And they also, these things, just to give you a double whammy, these things have also been shown to support fat loss too. So you're killing two birds in one stone with these awesome things. Now let me preface with this. That doesn't mean you can eat it one day, maybe two, and then call it a day. Food works if you use it consistently, right? You, if you're eating anti-inflammatory foods, you should be eating an anti-inflammatory diet to keep your inflammation under control, right? It's not good enough to have it one day and then say, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm anti-inflammatory now. You have to have them every day. So with that in mind, let's jump into the first one. And super quick, it's, it's that spiced turmeric. Right? This is one of the most anti-inflammatory things in the world. And for those of you who don't know what turmeric is, it's a simple spice, a yellow, yellow spice. And I use this for so many things. I sprinkle it on my eggs. I sprinkle it in almost all my soups, in every curry I make. It's so, so tasty. It gives some beautiful color to your dish. And again, it's one of the most anti-inflammatory things that you could possibly put in your food. So try adding turmeric to a lot of your different foods. They even have some teas that you can make with it. Great, It's a great tea, by the way. But yeah, try that out. Turmeric, all right? So number two, everybody knows there's a fan favorite. It's blueberries, nice and simple, little berries. And just to kind of give you a broader perspective, a lot of berries do give you a nice anti-inflammatory component to their taste. However, I know blueberries and a lot of research has shown that blueberries are at the top of the berry kingdom when it comes to inflammation. And lastly, this is one of the things that have been, has been touted for its amazing health benefits for millennia, right? The Chinese use it, the Japanese use it. And personally, I drink it every single day. Sometimes I have up to four a day just because of how much, not only anti-inflammatory benefits it brings you, but in terms of antioxidants and all the vitamins and minerals. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is green tea. Right? The Japanese and Chinese have used this for medicine for how many millennia? And green tea, again, is a great anti-inflammatory component to it. So again, try those three out. It's turmeric, blueberries, and green tea. So I made sure they're all affordable. They can be easily sprinkled into your diet whenever you need. So again, try those out. Stay consistent with it. And most of all, have fun with it. Enjoy it. All right, all right, all right. So lastly, before we finish up, I want to talk about one of the most important things about this anti-inflammatory diet and about, you know, taking actions to better your health. 
It's about what you eat, absolutely. What you eat has a significant impact on your body. But it's even more about what you stop eating, right? You don't keep eating inflammatory foods and because you're eating a lot, or you don't keep eating pro-inflammatory foods if you're continuing to eat anti-inflammatory foods, all right? It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. What you're doing or what you're not doing significantly has more of an impact on your overall health and especially on inflammation because you're taking out the problem right at its source. So for example, I hate canola oil. I can't stand, there's so many bad health benefits around canola oil and one of the biggest ones is its inflammatory components. So if you're eating lots of things with canola oil in it, lots of processed foods, lots of the breads, lots of lots of things in the grocery store, salad dressings, you name it. If you continue to eat these inflammatory oils, right, and you're eating the, in, the anti-inflammatory, you're taking all these anti-inflammatory measurements, you could actually be just kind of canceling it out, which is kind of, it's good in a sense, but you need to make sure that your anti-inflammatory ratio is much more than your pro-inflammatory ratio. So with that being said, take a look at the things that are causing a lot of inflammation and pay attention to your body. You know when you're eating foods that you're saying, oh my goodness, man, this guy never should eat that again. You know, you know you can feel it, your pants can feel it. So take a note of what foods make you feel a certain way when you eat it and make sure you kind of maybe avoid those foods in the future or just maybe taper back on it a little bit. And again, add in those anti-inflammatory foods and see just how much of a difference that can make on your mind, your body, and especially your gut. Can eating more foods actually increase your lifespan and make you leaner? Leaner! You know, it's not every day you hear a personal trainer tell their clients, hey, you need to start eating more foods. But over in this next little bit of the podcast or this part of the podcast, you're going to understand just how important the diversity of your gut bacteria is on your overall health and your weight and how eating more food can actually contribute to all these great benefits. So like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, right, it's you have two groups of bacteria down there, right? You have the good guys and you have the bad guys. Now, again, that's a very overarching kind of statement to, to tell you what you have down there. But it's not just the two bacteria down there. You have so many different species down there. And especially, I want to focus on the good, the good guys right now. You have so many different species around that. So picture it like a rainforest down there. Where you have so many different types of species. They all interact with each other. They all perform their own certain function within the rainforest. Right? This is huge ecosystem that just thrives in terms of abundance and diversity. And we all have different amounts of bacteria and species down there because we've all experienced different things like we've talked about. We've all eaten different kind of foods. We've all lived in different parts of the world. We've been in different environments. We've worked in different places. Exercising can even change the diversity of your microbiome. And I've even heard some reports say that even a simple sneeze can change the makeup of your gut microbiome. And this, again, this is very powerful because you have the power to transform your microbiome in ways that you never thought imaginable. You have the power through the foods that you eat, through the places you go, through the things you do, through how much you exercise to upgrade your gut and receive all the amazing benefits that, you know, having so much more diversity of good bacteria can bring you. So like I always talk about, the biggest contributor to this 
is food. Ladies and gentlemen, we love to eat. We're a culture here in the Western world that loves to eat. So I'm giving you the green light to say we need to have more food. Now, what you want to know is that your gut buddies, the gut buddies that you got down there, like you go to buffets and like you pick what you like to eat and what you kind of don't like to eat, every time that you do that, your gut buddies experience the same thing. It's like a nice buffet. Every time you swallow, you're going to give your gut buddy something new to feast on. So again, are you feeding them foods that support them or the foods that, you know, kind of support the bad guys? Let the, good, the, let, blah, let the bad guys thrive. Sorry, I get a little excited. But what you need to understand is that more diverse bacteria, if you have a more diversity of bacteria in your body, you are in terms of better health. It's correlated with better health. And not only that, it's learned or it's correlated to a more lean figure. So on top of the health benefits, let's go right back to the study of the mice that we referenced right in the intro, right when they were injected with either obese bacteria or lean bacteria, and they gained twice as much weight depending on what's you know, obese bacteria they had. Now, the lean bacteria mice, they had less weight gain. And just to kind of really talk about that for a second, there's so many health benefits by just lowering your BMI. Even as much as lowering your weight by five pounds, you can see less blood triglycerides, you can see less inflammation. Again, we just talked about how inflammation can screw up so many things for you. So if you're able to kind of help that diversity of those good bacteria, you're already able to expedite and accelerate your fat loss process and get towards a leaner figure because you have that good, beneficial, diverse bacteria. So now, oh man, you're going to get blown away when I tell you this one. I want to reference a study published in the International Journal of Obesity. And what they stated, oh my goodness. First of all, you know what? You know what? Let's start with this. We are always talking about calories in, calories out. You have to count your calories. Make sure your macros are on point. You got carbs, fats, proteins, weigh your food, do all these things. When you go to restaurants, ask the chef how much salt they put in. You can go on all day. But is this a way to live? You know, how, how many times are you going to want to count your calories when you're 40 or when you're 50? Like, do you really think this is a sustainable way for weight loss for even somebody who's so busy? Especially you moms and dads out there who have work nine to five. You have to get home, rush, make dinner, take your kids to soccer practice. Are you really going to be counting how many calories are in your son's sweet potatoes when he's got 10 minutes to get on the road? The answer is no, you're not going to do that. And I am a huge advocate for not counting calories. They're a prison that is so inaccurate. Again, topic for another day, but it's just so much work that you don't need to be doing. Again, be mindful about the food that you're eating. Maybe eat a little less than you're used to. I think everybody can benefit from that. But what I want to highlight in this study published in the International Journal of Obesity, talking about higher diversity of good bacteria, is they reported a higher diversity of gut bacteria is correlated with less weight gain independent of calorie intake. Yeah, that pause, that pause right there, I did that for dramatic effect. Now, let me just read it again for you. If you didn't hear it crystal clear the first time, a higher diversity correlated with less weight gain independent of calorie intake. Where your gut buddies are determining how much calories you absorb. And especially if you have a more lean figure, you have better diversity and higher ratio of good bacteria down there. And again, this is why so many people can eat and not count calories. And well, it's one of the reasons 
that they can eat and not count calories and, you know, not gain weight. You know, they might be eating just a much better diet than you are, or they have better diversity of gut bacteria down there. So with, with that in mind, the bad bacteria, the bad bacteria thrive on things like oils and sugars and fatty meats, right? That's the thing that supports them. And they are, again, more absorbent at absorbing those calories. So not only are you eating hyperpalatable foods like sugars and fats and oils, they're also higher in calories, meaning your body's going to absorb even more calories than if you were to feed them, you know, just regular pasta, right? There's not as many fats and sugars and salts that's in that pasta. But again, if you're eating the processed chips, processed cookies, those things are embedded with salt, fat, and sugar to make sure that you eat more of it, those high caloric foods so that you absorb more. So you with me so far? Again, I know this is absolutely mind-blowing stuff just to see how much your gut bacteria has on your weight. Mm-mm. Okay, so how do we do this? How do we get your gut bacteria to thrive with the good species and overpopulate the bad so that way you can make your fat loss journey so much easier and even clean up your health? Now, the number one simplest way to do this, and it's so often overlooked, is eat better quality foods. It's as simple as that. You know, no processed foods, no oils, no fast foods. I know it's a given. I could, tell, I could scream at people till they're blue in the face, but yet they still eat them. Oh, I need the chips just for my, just for my guilty pleasure. I had a long day at work. I need, a, I need a Big Mac. But my question to you is, do you really need the Big Mac? Do you really need the chips? Or are you just looking for something to give you an emotional release? I guarantee you every time you eat that Big Mac or you eat that family-sized bag of chips, you don't feel too good after. Number one, physically, and number two, emotionally. I can't tell you how many times I've cleared a row of Oreos and I go, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? Like I, I literally question that. So think about that for a second because a lot of these foods that you're eating, these hyper-palatable processed foods, they're the ones that trigger inflammation the most. And we're talking about getting rid of that. We just went over how important it is to kind of get rid of that inflammation. So by cleaning up what you eat, the quality of foods, oh my God, you will experience such profound impacts on your health by simply doing that. So now the second way, here's where the whole topic of this part of the podcast comes in, is to improve the diversity of your gut microbiome you need to eat more foods, more diversity of foods. Now, fruits and veggies is the best way to do it. They got lots of micronutrients in there, come from the ground, the most natural source of food. You know, you always said, you're always told, eat your veggies, eat your carrots, eat your fruits. But now you kind of know why. They have such a profound impact on your health. I always strive to have at least three to four different types of vegetables per meal, per meal. I'm not just talking about throwing peppers and, you know, some kind of orange for breakfast in your meal, in your diet. I want you to diverse it up. Just experiment. Have fun with it. Now, what I want to reference is a study published in Nature Metabolism just to show you how crazy and how much uh, impact and health a diverse microbiome can bring you. They analyzed 9,000 people's individual microbiomes aged 18 to, 80, or to 101 years old. Okay, They took it across the lifespan. Now, what they wanted to see was, was the diversity correlated with long-term health and longevity, meaning you're living longer. So what they found was that microbiome uniqueness was positively associated with, number one, better immune function, inflammation function, 
healthier aging and correlated with longevity, right? This is simple. This is simply because of their diversity of microbiomes. Oh my goodness. All right. So let's look at the second thing that they found in the study. So they found that later in life, the people who are the elderly, the healthier elderly people who had a more unique gut microbiome had significantly better health than their counterparts who did not have a unique microbiome. Now, the third, oh my goodness, the third finding, this is where it gets really, really crazy, is those who had low gut uniqueness and older than 85 years old, get this, they were significantly associated with decreased survival in the course of the four-year follow-up. They were, they were more likely to die because they did not have a unique microbiome as much as their counterparts who were expected to live that long. You know, we're so focused on eating and burning fat, which is amazing. We should all strive to make sure that our bodies are in optimal health. But eating, eating is the, like the, the foundation of life. We have to eat to support the gut bacteria that we have in there so we can have better health, better health span and better longevity. Right? Food goes so much deeper than just calories in, calories out. This can make, this, you just saw, this could be the make or break for you adding years to your life or taking them off. Now, I always want my clients to get the best bodies. I always do. I want them to get rid of their fat. I want them to get the confidence that they truly desire. I truly, truly want that. But at the same time, I want them to clean up their health. I want them to get their energy back, their mood back, get their smile back, that they're able to move and function like they normally would and like when they were youthful again. Now, sure, you can cut calories out and, you know, do all these things so that way you look good. But always make sure that you are in good health for your family, for your friends, for your kids to be able to take on your passion. You, it's underestimated how much food can significantly upgrade your brain and your mood and your health. And when it does that, it does so many other things and it spills over into so many other aspects of your life from your relationships to your, oh my gosh, to your mood to again, your passions. Anyways, back to eating, eating more foods helps you do this, helps you increase the diversity of your microbiome. Now, again, I'm not saying a bigger amount. That's not a green light to say, oh, we got buffets every night for dinner now. I'm saying a bigger diversity of foods. That way you kind of change up what you eat. And not only that, eating doesn't, it's not so boring anymore. You always have something different to look forward to. So that's just a side note. But when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, we do not eat a very diverse diet. You know, we have cereal for breakfast. We got a sandwich for lunch, pasta for dinner. Ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's wheat three ways. We ate the same food all day long. We ate wheat. So how can we expect to increase diversity, increase our health and our lifespan and our bodies if we're not in, or taking advantage of this beautiful diversity effect that we can get? Now, I'm fascinated by the Japanese culture, right? They live the longest, they have the least stress, and they have the slimmest figure compared to so many countries. And I'm always thinking, you know, what are these people doing that we aren't? And why are we not being able to take advantage of the things that Japanese are? And one of the biggest things and one of the biggest contributors that I believe to the Japanese amazing, amazing health that they have is their diet. So now what I did for this podcast is I really dived, dived in a little deep and compared their diet with our Western culture. So First, number one, first of all, their meals are not supersized and huge portions like us in the Western world. We eat an insane amount of food here. That's a given. So 
I'm not really focused on that right now, but what I want to focus on is the variety of meals that they have. So just to give you an example, a typical Japanese dish, you always sit down for dinner with the family, a, a typical dinner would include things like rice, seaweed, soup, pickles, a protein source, a salad mixed with protein and veg, other steamed veggies, and then you have tea and sake to wash it down. Now compare that to a typical Western dinner. You know, we got cauliflower, chicken, rice. Mmm, so good. Not really. Look, if you're watching this on Revive TV, I'll put a contrast up with the pictures. Look at the stark difference that the Japanese meal that you're seeing on the left, oh, compare, it just does not even come close to the American dinner that you're seeing on the right. Not only is it bringing so much more color and diversity to the meal, it looks so much more exciting to eat than the other one, does it not? It's just full of that vibrant, good food. Now, when you look at these pictures, if you can't see on the, if you can't see, if you're watching this on the podcast or listening on the podcast, there's just a smorgasbord of things on the Japanese side. And on the American side, you got, again, the chicken, cauliflower, rice. It's all gray. It just ugh, does not look good. I'm, oh my goodness. But anyways, when you have foods like this, and you see the Japanese dish compared to the Western dish, who do you think? Whose microbiome is more diverse? And if you're going to say the American diet, think again, because it's definitely the Japanese diet. They have so many different diversities of food, always at every single meal. Now, let's relate this back to the study where we talked about how a higher diversity is related to less weight gain independent of calorie intake. Even in the mice study, the mice who had the lean bacteria had the more diverse bacteria. They they always resorted back to less weight gain, more lean figure, better health. Now, what do you think you will do or what do you think your body will do if you eat like Japanese or if you eat like you continue to eat with the American diet, you know, the green beans, steak, potatoes. It's a very simplistic diet. So just to recap real quick, diverse gut bacteria means better health and more lean figure. So now let's dive in a little deeper. Let's look at the lifespan now with the USA and Japan. Oh my goodness. Let's, you're about to get your mind blown. The Japanese average lifespan is 85 years in 2020. And that actually, and that number went up from before. The USA, the USA's lifespan is 77 years and actually went down for the first time in history. Now, we have a full eight-year difference, a full eight years less on this planet just based on where you live in this world. Dude, what's going on there? I get there are so many other factors like walking and stress and being sedentary. We're very stressed in this state of the world. We're very sedentary in the state of the world. Again, really big, important factors. But I believe diet is the number one, one of the biggest parts of health and your weight. And what, we want to what I want to talk about now is a paper that came out of the Food Industry Center at University of Minnesota. All right, they showed Americans, 32% of Americans have a BMI, a body mass index, meaning obese. They're over 30, they have 32% of their nation obese. Now, this paper was 2006, so that number is actually 37% right now. So it went up. Now, just to give you a perspective... That's enough obese Americans that would populate Canada just over three times. And I'm just saying, it's obese, by the way. I'm not knocking overweight. I'm saying obese. 
Now, in the study, they compared it to Japanese people. So do you know how many Japanese people have a BMI over 30, which is considered obese? Man, just to give you perspective, American number is 37%. The Japanese number for obese people is 3.6%. Or if you look at that more currently, it's 4% today. So why, just answer me this question, why does America have 10 times more of the population obese compared to Japan? You know, 10 times, what is going on here? This is insane. And can it be related to a diverse diet? Now, we can't say for sure. However, it is something we should seriously start paying attention to and take some notes from the Japanese diet. So your gut has a profound impact on your overall health, on your weight, and if you don't know how to navigate that properly, you can kind of be spinning your wheels every single day, right? You can follow all these mainstream diets and meal plans that restrict foods because they're off-plan or they're high in fats or they're high in sugar. But after everything you've learned today, about how you need to increase your gut bacteria, have a more diversity of foods, and how it can actually help you lose more weight by eating a more diverse amount of foods, do you not think that it could be the reason that you're stuck with your weight? Why the scale won't budge, even though you're following what all these top blogs and top diets say, you know, you're counting these calories, you're making sure your foods are portioned out. However, you just saw that weight gain is linked to less, or more diversity is linked to less weight gain independent of calorie intake. And if you're following the diet that's not letting you take advantage of that lean figure or get that more diverse gut bacteria, you're kind of almost shooting yourself in the foot trying to make a lasting change for your weight. Now, if you've heard or if you've loved what you've heard today and you are somebody who's struggling with weight, you wonder why it can't just be so damn easy to get that weight off and you're thinking about starting a new diet because this is coming out January 1st today of 2022, if you're thinking about starting a new diet, I want you to take a second to think for a second. Do you need something that's been tried all the time, but yet they don't get people lasting changes? Or are you looking for something radically different and something that will finally give you the chance to get the body that you truly desire? Because if that's you, you're looking for something that's new, that's fresh, that's based on real legit science, you're in luck because I've created the program, The Revive Effect, that launches today. And it's a fat loss program that shows you how the hidden factors that affect your fat loss can influence your health and how you can jump in, grab the control to them and make them work to your advantage. So this program is entirely video based. It's at your own pace. It's totally private and you can do it all on your own where you learn how to upgrade almost every area of your life that affects your fat loss. Talk about sleep and stress, habit reversal, again, based on habit psychology. We dive in so much deeper than we did today on food. So that way you know how food affects you, how you can impact your body. And most importantly, you and I dive deep so much more into gut health than we did today to give you such a deep understanding about how to upgrade your gut microbiome and get the body and life and health that you truly love and want and enjoy. Now look, I'm so tired of seeing people struggle because they diet and the weight loss industry fails them every single day, even though they try to do them everything right. But let me, let me tell you this. The weight loss industry is currently valued at $255 US billion. Yet, why is there enough obese people to populate Canada, Poland, Argentina, Australia, and the entire United Kingdom? You know, why, why are diets setting you up for failure from day one? Diets set you up for failure so much that if you took four friends 
starting right now this New Year's, if you took four of your friends, all went on the same diet, one of you is guaranteed to gain back more weight than when you started. Not only that, if we take 10 people this year, for every 10 people this year that go on a diet, nine of them are going to gain back the weight that they freaking lost at the beginning. And that's frustrating. It's not only frustrating for me because, you know, that's what I do. But I can't even imagine the physical and mental toll that that would take on your body when you see that it didn't work. You know, you're back to where you started. So what are these people in the weight loss industry, what are they not telling you? And why are they keeping you a money printer to keep them coming back to their bogus weight loss plans and fat loss burners and pills and all this stupid BS that they throw your way? And the answer to that is there's so many other influential factors at play that go into creating a body and life that you truly love and that you truly enjoy. And it goes so much deeper than our cardio sessions and counting calories. And what we've covered today is, ladies and gentlemen, that's just the tip of the iceberg to how much the Revive Effect dives in deep on these other hidden factors, like your gut being one of them. So that way you can actually accelerate your fat burning process and you have the tools and guidance to do it. So if you're somebody who's feeling so stuck, you're low in motivation, you're tired all the time, and you feel kind of unhealthy, you could be a fat loss straggler. And as somebody who doesn't know how to navigate the weight loss, the weight loss journey that they're on, they might be making common mistakes that you know they think is the right way because that's what the Instagram people are saying. But I want to take you to somebody who's a fat loss insider, a revived fat loss insider. Somebody who's taken the revive effect, like lots of our students. You know, they know how to succeed in every area that affects your fat loss. And they know how to, they know how to address the areas that people don't really tell you about. So they know how to master their self-sabotaging behaviors, right? They're in control of their habits and they know how to upgrade their sleep and they know how to burn fat while they sleep all through food and through taking all the necessary steps that the revive effect takes you through. So just to give you a whole bird's eye view, the Revive Effect takes every account, takes into account every aspect of your life, you know, aspects that you never would have thought impacted your weight so greatly. And with your gut health, again, just being the tip of the iceberg today, there's so many more that we cover in the program. And what the Revive Effect does is it arms you with the tools so that way you're able to deeply tune in and master your body. So that way you don't just attain the body that you want. You end up creating the life that you've always wanted to live. So if you're ready to make that change, if you're ready to take control of your health and get the body that you finally want, and if you've stayed around this long into the podcast and you're still listening to this right now, the Revive Effect is designed for you. This is your sign to take hold, this, take that leap of faith and take the chance that you, you know, what if it goes well this time? What if you actually get the body you want this time? You know, I've left the program, I've left the link in the program notes wherever you are listening, listening to this right now. So go ahead, click that link, go over to the Revive Effect page on our website, and you're going to see everything that you get included in the program. It's going to give you all the answers to the questions that you have right now currently about the program. It's going to tell you what's included, how it works, what's it, what it's all about. And if you want any more clarification, you want anything about the Revive Effect, and you want to know if it's for you, send us a DM, send us a message on Instagram or Facebook, even email us. I'll answer you personally. But if you want to just do it and start accelerating your fat loss journey today, click that link below or visit our website at www.riveofficial.tre. That's reviveofficial.tre. So go ahead, give a look over to our website. And again, get the body and life that you truly love and enjoy. 
This is your time to shine. This is your time to take hold of what you truly want most in life. And I'm so grateful that you tuned into the podcast today. And I hopefully I gave you a little bit more clarity about how much your gut impacts your health and your weight. And hopefully you know how to start, you know, kind of going after the body you want and upgrading your microbiome. So again, click that link below, have a look over to our website and see all the latest and greatest things that can help you upgrade your life and join the Revive Effect today. Again, thanks for listening. All right, thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you stuck around to the end and I'm so grateful that you took the opportunity and your time to spend it here with me at the Revive Effect. So if you like what you heard today, please, I ask that you share this podcast with somebody who needs to hear the information or even if you did like it, please subscribe, give us a like, give us a comment, even email us and tell us what you liked about the podcast. We appreciate you so much for tuning in and if you like what you heard today, again, Don't be afraid to visit our website, R-V-I-V-E official, reviveofficial.ca to learn more and keep up with all the latest and greatest things that we are doing today. If you are someone who is feeling insecure, they're unhappy, unhealthy, and stuck in fear, I've created the Revive Effect and my company Revive in order to transform you into somebody who is the fitter, healthier, happier you, who is more confident than they've ever been in their entire lives, and who's driven and hungry for growth every day and actually wakes up energized and happy. So give a look over to our website because that's where you're going to find all the latest and greatest information and tools and resources in order for you to attain that and make that vision of yours a reality. So I'm Matt Celestio. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you in a couple weeks here on the Revive Effect podcast.